Grace and Peace. Uh, we're taking a... Oh, my goodness. I botched it. I botched it. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that thing. I'm going to take the L. I'm not going to redo it. I'm just going to I'm just gonna take the L because it's been accused that I, as the controller of the show, sometimes don't take <laughs> my Ls. I botched the opening. I'll take it. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. the door-to-door gold bug. The door-to-door gold bug. Well done. Oh, very good. All right, so um, we are into our second uh, episode going through the last letter of the uh chapter three of the book of revelation. We're about to go into chapter four. We're going to take a few weeks off, as I mentioned from this passage, uh, to do some other things to, uh, do some reaction videos, do some, bo- uh, guest episodes, uh, make sure that so we if you know skip the in between episodes, if you skip the in between episodes, Josh's hair is going to be a lot longer. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say two things. Here's, here's the deal guys. Cause I'm really angry right now. I'm really upset. Uh, because, um, first of all, that was our 30th episode and no one even congratulated us on it. Like no one said like, congratulations on your 30th episode. No one was saying that. Like, I just feel like it's just, it's like no one even noticed in the, uh, 20 minutes between our recording <laughs> the first episode and our recording. Not even probably, this, but yeah, the second episode, <laughs> no one even notes, don't even mentions it. Like, come on guys. Uh, I just feel unappreciated and the second thing is no one commented on. <laughs> i walked hair. all the way down a locked hallway and all the way back <laughs> and no no one stopped noticed. me in the hallway <laughs> no while the alarm was going off <laughs> no one even yeah. noticed my haircut like, oh i just feel like you all need to be uh uh more appreciative of the show or we're going to continue to give you the same uh bottom of the barrel content so <laughs> yeah yeah my wife and I have this deal where I have to drop her off when she's going to get a haircut so that I will know, remember that she got a haircut and comment on it. Um, that, yes. that, that if, that if I don't drop her off for her haircuts, I'm off the hook. I don't that's right. have that's right. under no obligation to have noticed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, it's, it's hard to miss when I just, I shaved it all. So I, uh, and my wife did it for me. So she, she obviously noticed it. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, just getting rid of it. Um, so we are into our set our fourth decade of episodes. Now with 31, we are working on, uh, we've, we've done 30 in the bag. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy how quickly the numbers rise when you do a weekly podcast, uh, as opposed to just whenever yeah. we get around to it, as is the case with the flyover libertarian. Oh uh, yeah. We've probably done, we've done more episodes than the flyover. Yes, we have. We passed it. Uh, wow. as of, as of right now, as of the recording of this episode, there's only 23 episodes of the flyover libertarian out and third, oh, wow. and this is the 31st episode we have passed, uh, the mother show. Um, but you know, we've got, we've got a plan to kind of make it more, uh, to make, uh, our episodes a little bit more regular. Um, so, uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, but, uh, but you know what, here's what we do. What we do is, uh, as a, a twosome, as a exegetical powerhouse, like we are, we get at the text. That's what we do. So we're gonna right now get into it, into that text. There we are. 
it helps that I don't know what has happened in the latest Arkansas game as people are watching this. Um, um, uh, actually, although we played Georgia, so I kind of, I might know what happened. Um, well, we, uh, it might not have been good. You know what? If they won, make sure you shoot a, a message to him saying like, congratulations, buddy. You're, you know, um, but if they lose, um, maybe now's the time for quiet, uh, contemplation. Don't, don't, uh, you know, maybe just, just wide berth around him. Let him, let him have his face. Uh, <laughs> if we, if we lost, we lost to a team that is, is probably got six, eight, 10 first place votes in the week that we lost to them. So, uh, um, so it's, it's, uh, I, I should be able to console myself with that, but, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if, uh, so as usual, no spoilers, don't tell me what happened <laughs> in the Arkansas game. Those of you, those of you who are watching this live, um, but, uh, or watching this not live when it, when it is, when it is out. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so we're going to take a running start at this. We got as far as um, we were about to start verse 18, or sorry, verse 17. 17. Um, so we're going to take a, a run at it and uh, starting at the top and to yeah, the go, angel. Sorry, go on. I was going to say go back to the uh, go back to episode 30 if, if you uh, right. want to get the full context. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, and to the angel. Uh, the one in Laodicea of the church, the one in Laodicea, right? Tade lege, thus saith the Amen, the the faith, the witness, the faithful and true one, the beginning or origin of the creation of God. And we talked about, we got into uh, Isaiah uh, 65 and we looked at where that is the God of the amen uh, is what we're talking about. And so once again, we're look, we see another evidence of Christ's divinity. We didn't really hit on this when we talked about it, but he is called the God of the amen. And here Jesus is called the amen. And the faithful and true witness connects back into the first chapter. Uh, and it, uh, it is paired with the firstborn of the dead, the rulers of the kings of the earth. And so you have the beginning of God's creation. And we take that as to say what we're talking about is as the firstborn of creation. This is not a reference to his all things being created through him, though it, that is true. But it's a reference to his resurrection being the first uh, the, the first taste of the new creation that is at work now. It says, I know your works. And we took on one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either, would that you were cold, you were, or hot and zesty. You see that zestos, uh, the hot. Thus, uh, because uh, you are, because lukewarm you are, and neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you from my mouth. And this is uh, what this is getting into is this. Um, we talked about how this isn't saying that I would rather you be really excited about me or be spiritually cold, an unbeliever. Uh, I'd rather be either of those things than being a lukewarm Christian. But we said, no, no, no. The, the original church would have understood what this is about. It is talking about 
Uh, the hot springs that came from Hierapolis, which were used um, for their healing properties, and the cold streams uh, that were in Colossae that were for refreshment and for drinking. And he said, the problem is that you have neither. And every attempt that they had gone through to try and get water into their city had resulted in lukewarm water. And their issue is that it's not that lukewarm is neither hot nor cold in the sense of it's not excited or an unbeliever. It's that lukewarm water is useless and disgusting. And so the problem of the church is that they were useless Instead of being hot water with healing properties or cold water with refreshment, they are neither. And we didn't want to over over interpret that metaphor, but basically he's saying you are not being useful. And this connects it back to the other uh, the other uh, the other A level church in the chiasm of of chapters two and three, Ephesus, where there was a threat that if they do not return to their first love, they will lose their lampstand. And here we say, I'm going to spit you out from my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out. There's a casting out of judgment that is threatened here. And so now we're getting into verses 17. Uh, and, and we're going to see that here again, historical background is essential for understanding this passage. Um, so it says, uh, because you say that I am rich and I have been ri- become rich. I've been richified. You know, you got the two words for plusios, which is the the noun for rich, and peplutica, uh, pep which is the having become rich. So you've got kind of the the noun form of riches and the verb form of riches. So I am rich, and I'm becoming rich, and nothing I have need. I need nothing, and you do not know. That you are actually <laughs> wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. So the one of the big problems of this church is they do not have an accurate self-assessment. They think of themselves as rich and wealthy. And yet he says, no, you're, you're nothing. You are the opposite of that. It's hard not to hear an echo for the church of Smyrna. In that Uh, verse nine says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. So there is a, a, a tragic reversal going on here that instead of having uh, poverty, but are spiritually rich, we have physically rich people and spiritually impoverished because in many ways, Laodicea might be one of the most important cities or most significant cities of the letters that are written. And they were known for three industries in particular. They had a thriving banking industry. They had uh, a, a like, like a, like a, one of the others, they had um, a medical industry, particularly they created a salve that uh, was good for eyes for, for, um, for, uh, healing eyes and they were uh, a place famous for black clothing for black dyed clothing. And so what do we see there? We see once again, background, uh, you say mm-hmm. you're rich, but really you're poor. You think you're rich from your banking, but you're really poor. You think that you are something, but uh, with your, with your, with your eye industry. And yet you are blind. 
You need some of that salve you've been selling and hawking and getting money from. And instead of putting on your black garments that you're famous for, you're naked. Now, um, this is another place where we don't want to overinterpret the metaphor. Not, we don't need to find right. a, a explanation of what, what do we mean that, that they're not rich? What do we mean that they should become rich? What are they? Okay. <clears throat> the, the really, let's just, we're continuing the metaphor that what they are meant to be and what they think they are, they are not. And this is where in my last episode, I said far from being a unexciting church, you can see where this church could have really gone all out like with the, with the riches that they, they probably had a lot of wealthy people in their church. So they could probably do more things. You can see where this could be the flashy church. And yet, uh, in spite of their fame for riches, they are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And over the course of the next, uh, three sections, you'll see there in verse 18, um, he, he calls them to undo those, um, those things. There's, there's the, the last three line up with the next three sections. I counsel you to buy agorasi. There's the word agora. We, we recognize that in the Liberty space, you know, agorism from the marketplace. Uh, so it's buy from me gold, which has been flamed, which has been f- in, uh, Flamed in fire, flamed from fire, so purified by fire, so that you may be rich. And white garments, so that you may clothe, you may be clothed and not manifest your sh- the shame of your nakedness. And salve to increase. Say this is interesting. Um, we're not going to make too much of it. I just think it's interesting. Uh, Cresi, this is the same word that we get Christ from, the anointed one. And it's saying, like, anoint your eyes, or literally, uh, uh, smear it on your eyes. So, smear this ointment on your eyes. So, another translation of Christ might be the greasy one. Uh, so, anoint your eyes so that you may see. So, there's a, a call to stop, if, if I could say, summarize maybe what he's talking about is there's a sense in which they have become so self-reliant uh, reliant on their own riches on their own industry on their place in this important city and he's telling them stop relying on your riches and start and purchase from me you know that gold refined by fire like uh, it, it brings to mind that Isaiah 55 passage where he says, um, where Isaiah sa- asks, why do you spend money on that which is not bread and buy water that is not, uh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. But why do you spend money on that which is not bread? And it says instead buy, um, I, I'm going to look it up because, you know, we have Isaiah pulled up. So let's, let's uh, why not? I, Isaiah 55, I mean, uh, yeah, why not? Um, says verse one. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. So this is obviously a metaphor, metaphorical money, no no actual money. But then what he gives is better than um, physical things. So come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your, and you, your labor for that which does not satisfy? 
Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So uh, there's this uh, pursue true riches um, theme in both of these passages. Um, Now, as a libertarian podcast, we want to make sure that we say there is nothing wrong with wealth. Wealth is fine. Even, I would say, good. Um, Ill-gotten gains and uh, greed is not good. But 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 wealth itself is is fine. It's good. And and uh, you know, I think we, we might have mentioned this before, but in many ways, wealth doesn't create something new, but it reveals what is there. Like when you have the ability to do yeah. what's that? <coughs> I, I just said we've definitely had this conversation for sure. Yes. Yeah. When you have the money to do what you want to do, it shows what is true inside your own your own heart by which I mean your will like what you actually want to do mm-hmm. and what clearly had happened is that this but and yet okay and yet there is a danger in in wealth that is clear from scripture it's not a unqualified good uh, it is a good that is qualified with there is with the fact that the fear and I think this might even be a proverb is that the wealthy might come to a point of forgetting their dependence on God. You have so much money that you forget how dependent you are on, on Christ. You start to think that you can take care of everything yourself. You know, you have the big churches that spend a ton of money on fog machines and on state of the art equipment so that they can manipulate the audience to get uh, an emotional response. And yet they, they, and they forget that this is really about God. So I, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but that that classic praise song, "The Heart of Worship," which really does stand up, uh, does stand the test of time. We talked about that being uh, songs being enduring and timeless in the last episode, and that's one of them. One of the modern praise songs that I think might have a chance because it does get into that whole like when everything, like when you just strip it all down, and it, the, you know it can get away from us so quickly. And so if you strip it down, and you just come, you see. Just I'm I'm getting back to it, and uh, but we can forget that we can get lost in the glitz and the glamour and in the 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 uh, zest and the excitement, um, and we start to forget this is about God, and we are entirely dependent on God for anything to happen. All of our strategies and vision statements will be nothing if the Holy Spirit is not in it. Our, our perfect strategy for outreach will do nothing if the Spirit does not change the hearts of those who hear the gospel and cause them to come in faith and repentance to the cross. And uh, I think it's important. Yeah. Reliance on wealth. Yes. Um, is... Um, is absolutely something that that the Bible calls out consistently as um, that um, that that is one of the great dangers of wealth to the point that it is it can be merciful 
that God not give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that God not expose you to that danger. Yeah. There's, I, I gotta be honest. Like I, I get nervous about churches with big budgets. I get nervous Mm. that it's like, so what in the end we kind of end up thinking of ministry, even as we're saying the right things, we can think of ministry as spending money in the right places. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or we start to make spending money a main thing of the ministry instead of dependence on God. Like, is it a successful youth gathering if I don't bring pizza and snacks? <laughs> like, if we just show up, open the Bible and read, can that be successful? Or do I need to spend some of my budget to get some snacks so that everyone feels like, okay, we got, it's good. We got snacks. We, we're we're going to eat something. I guess also we're going to read the Bible, you know, it, it, or, or we start to think of serving the community as giving money to organizations in town. Um, instead of finding ways to actually care for everyone, for, for people in our community. Um, and yeah, then of course, you know, the, the using the lights and the sounds in order to emotionally manipulate instead of, um, depending on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God to cause people to come to uh, Christ and to, to, to faith in the gospel. Like I do have a, a real worry that the modern church has become over professionalized in this way in particular, that budget mm. becomes one of the center points of everything we do. And it's, it's, it's a real danger. You know, like we, we always got to be aware of that. And, and um, we are not reliant on wealth. We are reliant on the spirit of God. We are not reliant on our sound system and our uh, video editing software. We are reliant on God, the one who draws his people to himself. Like we are not dependent on making sure our speakers and everything pumps out the sermon right. And we are, we're able to edit it right and get it out on YouTube. We are dependent on the word of God speaking through the spirit of God to the people of God. And we, and that's what we are dependent on. And we need to always keep that central. Well, and, and so Jesus's advice here is um, trade in, trade in your, your phony wealth for, yeah for hard money, yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which, Many libertarians are going to be familiar with that concept, but it's yeah. not. He, he's not. He's not hawking gold, um, as useful as that may be. Um, uh-huh. He's uh, he's doing something even a bit more subversive. Yeah. <laughs> he um, he's asking you to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yes, which is the hardest um, of hardest of hard currencies. There's absolutely no devaluation of the currency of treasures in heaven. No, no moth <laughs> nor rust will corrupt. Yes. No, no thieves will break in and steal. Um, uh, whether that's uh, in the form of breaking in and taking the money or in the form of stealing it through in uh, inflation. It. Yeah, I guess right. it's, it's right. And and um, uh, and so this is th- this is the spirit in which I, it just reminded me of um, in uh, Luke 16. Um, Jesus says, so make friends of yourself uh-huh, or uh-huh. make friends for yourself with, with, with worldly mammon. Yeah. Um, so that when it runs out, you'll be welcomed into eternal homes. That is such a <laughs> wild parable. I love yeah. that parable. It's wild. <laughs> don't hear a lot of sermons on it. No, 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 you don't. <laughs> um, but, but I think, 
I think the point actually plugs into to what we're yeah. to what we're talking about here, which is yeah. that he's he he's asking you to think about what that wealth is really worth and if you can trade it in yeah. for yeah. something more valuable. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a that's and that's what that parable is about too. Yeah, it's it's a wild parable. You should go read it. It's it's basically the metaphor. The in the end, it's like thing. The money is worth. I mean, you could uh, you could make kind of an Austrian point from that passage of basically money is meant oh, to be sure. used, not not mm-hmm. not. Uh, yeah, money is meant to be used. What 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 you use your money for instead of uh, <clears throat> like it's this unrighteous uh, this 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 uh, foolish money manager who who starts. Um, making friends with money, uh, with, with, by, by canceling debts and instead writing of writing down debts. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being criticized by his, uh, his master, they're like, you know what? You're crushing it, bro. All these people are now <laughs> going to come back to me and ask for more debts. Cause they know that I'm, I'm generous. And I'm, you know, like he's, he's essentially he's the, the master ends up commending him and they say, and, and, and Jesus himself says, so make friends with unrighteous mammon, like uh, unrighteous in the sense of not being anti-righteous, but in the sense of, like you say, worldly, I think that's a better translation. Like you say, worldly mammon, like, yeah, it's a wild parable. Go read it. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that's, and mammon, that's right. mammon is money or, or wealth. We're both, we're both sort of defaulting to King Jamesy or, sure. or Geneva E English there, but yeah. for Geneva. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, but, but I think, although I think I memorized that in King James, but yeah, (laughs) uh, but you know, like, like you said, like the point of money is to be spent. The point of money is what it does and it reveals what is on the heart by what you spend your money on or what you, whether you invest it or you, whether in, in a literal sense or in a sense of you're buying things that are going to have a spiritual or a friendship or a family. Um, well, yeah, I think there's another place where Jesus says that if you loan to people who can't pay you back, then you're, then you've converted it into heavenly money. Right. I, I, I can't remember the exact, um, but, but, uh, but, but, uh, but I know I'm pretty sure it's Jesus. And it's probably also in Luke, actually kind of think of it. Um, but where he talks about um, if you, yeah, if you loan, um, uh, if you loan to people who can't can't pay it back, then you've then you've basically that that uh, it's and, he, and, he, and he, he phrases it interestingly. It's because they can't pay you back that you that you've converted um, it into into heavenly reward. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, um, and then you get okay. So we're gonna move moving along, unless you have more to say on those those two verses. Well, we need to make the point that refined by fire, oh, yeah. and then receiving white clothing. This yeah. is a a call back to oh. Daniel three. Yes, yes, and to previous passages in in these in these letters, uh, in these letters yes. to the churches, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, refined uh, the burnished bronze of a previous uh, passage, the the refined by fire, the white garments. That's right, and and that's contrasting in their minds with the black clothing that they're famous for. But of course, white garments, as we saw before, represents purity, uh, redemption, um, 
being washed by the blood of Christ. Um, and of course, you know, we could make a point of like the salve to open your eyes is like the, the eye opening work of the Holy spirit to, to reveal and open the eyes of our heart as in, in the, um, words of, well, Ephesians I mean, I 1, think, 15 to I think that, so we, we, we pointed out last week how, um, how that is sitting there in Isaiah. What was that? 48. Yeah. Um, uh, or 38. Now I've uh, forgotten. I'm not sure either. But, uh, but when you, when you scrolled up to, um, it's the Jehovah's witness verse, um, <laughs> where you scrolled up to, uh, um, uh, you will be my witnesses says Jehovah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 42. Was that, was that 42? Uh, um, oh yeah, that, I think you're in the right. Uh, it was, it was it 42, eight. That sounds right. Yeah. Nope. No. Anyway, so was it yeah. 30, uh, now I'm, now, mm-hmm. now I, uh, now I feel like I need to find it, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, but so, okay. But in Isaiah, frequently, you have um, blind and not seeing, yeah. um, uh, deaf and not hearing. And in Isaiah, this is rooted specifically in because they're worshiping blind and deaf uh, idols. So it's it's uh, so it's because because you have worshipped. Uh, because you've worshipped idols who have eyes and cannot see, you're going to become like what you worship. You'll have eyes, but not be able to see. Because you worship idols that have ears but cannot hear, you're going to become like what you worship, having ears and not hearing. Um, And... Uh, and 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 so that's the that's the theme in Isaiah. It's definitely pulled into Revelation. We're going to see it a lot in the book of Revelation. We get a hint of it here, I think, where um, where they're um, they're worshiping a uh, a blind god of of riches, <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, and we've we've seen in the letters to the other churches that that there is idolatry directly connected with yeah. earning money that the that the um, the unions so to speak uh-huh. um typically had idolatry at their center uh-huh. um uh so the uh, the trade guilds and the, yeah. and so forth yeah. Yeah. um yeah. would have would have um what we might think of as as patron saints but they were like patron idols um and um and and they would be uh uh so patron deities if you will and they would um I mean, we could get so, in, we could get into is it really different the patron saints and patron well deities, yeah i don't i don't think they're ready right. for that one let's let's hold that one off yeah <laughs> but uh um so yeah we we've uh we've seen from some of the other letters that that um it's very possible that pursuing uh pursuing this money is not morally neutral um right. in this case um, yeah so um and by the by while at some point while you were talking i found um it's a it was luke 6 uh 35 um okay uh, where jesus says love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing oh. nothing back and then uh and then the 
best translation here would be for that reason your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high because he's kind to ungrateful and evil people yeah um so uh so you um you do have a a similar um a similar thought there earlier even in uh uh in luke so but i am looking real quickly for the uh passage in isaiah that we talked about last week oh sure um Um, uh yeah and and while while you're looking for that um i want to review something that's been and brought up uh, about this church and it's going to matter in a minute um is that there's this statement often attached to this church that there's nothing commendable or they they're not commended in any way and there's a so much that's kind of right but i think in light of that, the next verse is somewhat shocking. In in light of the fact that so far there's been no commendation and only complaints, that this verse kind of seems to come out of nowhere. And and yet I think in this we have maybe um, something that flips the, squi- the, the script a little bit on Laodicea and even flips the script on the state of the church in general. So, uh, verse 19, let's look at that. I, the ones whom I should love, reprove, or that word might even be rebuke, elenco, and I teach, but this is paideo, discipline. So treat them as a child. So there's, um, a reproving and disciplining that he says, and who does he give this to? Who does he give this reproof and discipline to? Those whom I love. Yeah. How do we understand this? Some people are going to go out and they're going to say to this, well, of course, God loves everyone. Like this is about the etern- the, the the general love of Jesus for all people. And so because he loves all people, he wants them to repent and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's That's kind of a... So I believe Peter, um, mm-hmm. second Peter three, but I don't think that's what it is. It's not God's general love for his creation. That's being talked about here because you know why he doesn't reprove and discipline those he condemns to hell. The ones he condemns to hell, they are not reproved and disciplined. They, in the words of, of Romans, they treasure up wrath for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what is, the only commendation that Christ gives to this church. How about that? He loves them. Yes. Let's not skim over this so quickly. He loves them. And so it's like, it's like in this point, he's like, yes, I know I've been really hard on you. I called you useless and lukewarm. I, I said, you've been depending too much on your wealth and you need to return to dependence on me. But just know I'm not doing this because I hate you. I wouldn't like, I think this, there, there's a sense in which like, I, I've sometimes said this, like some people like wonder if, if I'm if I, like, especially some people who I've been a little hard on. They're like, I mean, do you even like me? Like, man, I wouldn't waste my time on you. Right. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't waste my time calling you out. If I didn't think there was hope for you. I would just let you do your thing and be like, you know what? You know, I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine. Jesus, the one who says don't cast your pearls before swine, is the supreme not caster of pearls before swine. 
This is a reminder that even though things are looking bad for many of these churches, we can, they all can remember, but he still loves them. You are still the bride of Christ. You are still his body. He still loves you. You know, like my dad, my, my, my pop always used to say, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. That's right. The ones who don't, the opposite of love is apathy. If I didn't love you, I would just not care about you. Like there is, and, and Jesus has no apathy for these churches. Jesus has no apathy for the church of North America today. The church which, like this church, is really wealthy. Is really wealthy. And you wonder if we've forgotten to depend on the Holy Spirit or we're depending on wealth. And we have become worthless, like lukewarm water, in many places in, in America. There have been many, I would say there are many lampstands, many churches that have had their lampstands removed in the United States of America mm-hmm. and probably in Canada as well. Um, though I'm not as you know familiar with that Canada. Yeah. But, but I think there are many churches who have, and there's been many situations where we have, or many ways in which we can look at the state of the church in our, in the Western society in North America, in our day. And we have good reason to be worried. And yet let's never forget Christ is still at work in the church and he still loves her enough to rebuke and discipline her. And I, I've, I've often said that I think the, the biggest problem with the Canadian church um, is an unregenerate clergy. Yeah. I don't think that that is going to bring the judgment of God. I think that is the judgment of God. Right. The judgment of right. God is that we have an unregenerate clergy. Yeah. But even that is a mercy showing us that if we repent, that this can be a rebuke, yeah. a judgment in love, a, a yeah. an, an, in, an invitation back into fellowship with God. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he calls this church that he loves. He says, I love you enough to call you out. Hear it, receive it, be zealous about my commandment and my rebuke and repent turn back to me we need some widespread repentance in the evangelical church if you've been following along with the evangelical downgrade we've been talking a lot about it about how we have we have fled doctrinal precision and accuracy uh, in order to to be more emotional and sensational instead of a church we're we're throwing concerts and we're trying to instead of disciple we are entertaining and we need some widespread repentance, turning back in and zealously receiving the rebuke of God and repenting, turning back to Jesus. And this, it, and it will start. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say it will start with a people of God for whom this sentence or two sentences that Jesus just put together, um, that as many as. I love yeah. these I discipline yeah. uh, and, and rebuke. Therefore, yeah. be zealous and repent. Yeah. That yeah. If, if that therefore makes sense, yeah. <laughs> you are being rebuked. You're, so, so don't run away. 
Um, yeah. and, and that is so core to the message of God uh-huh. that, um, that the whole story of Jonah is Jonah yeah. understanding that message and therefore not wanting yeah. to tell the Ninevites about the judgment uh-huh. because he knows that that wrapped in yeah. the judgment is the is the invitation to repent that even though even though Jonah not once <laughs> says but you can get out of this if you repent <laughs> Jonah knows because he knows because it's so yeah. it's so a part of the character of God. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 he's judgment is I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's mad about it. I love that line where he he like it's so tell it's such a beautifully structured where he quotes uh the uh one one of the important uh statements of of God who God is from uh Exodus 33. Exodus, yeah but he flips two lines and he speaks of it as a negative. <laughs> like I didn't want to tell them this because I knew you're a God merciful and forgiving, slow, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew that's what kind of God you were. That's why I didn't want to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh buddy, buddy, <laughs> you knew just enough to be dangerous. Like that's, that's kind of uh, the, the issue there, but like, yeah, and that, but, but you're right. Like the, the call of, the preaching of judgment, we cannot stop doing that. Once again, our friends at Revive Studios did that amazing revised co- uh, mm-hmm. conversation about preaching hell and said, we can't stop preaching hell. For one, it's in the Bible. For another, that is how, I mean, if if God wanted us to not preach about hell, he wouldn't have inspired texts about hell. There is a sense in which it is, we are supposed to preach the judgment of God. And, like we... <sighs> I'll say this. There is legitimately abusive ways to preach about judgment. Of and course. yet not every preaching about judgment is abusive. Remember what did Peter say to the crowd at Acts 2? Flee from the wrath to come. He brought up the wrath of God that they deserved as those who formed a lynch mob to execute the savior of the world. And he said, there's wrath coming, flee the wrath to come. And, and they're all wild eyes being like, where do we run to? Tell us what to do. Their hearts cut to the core by his preaching of judgment, because preaching of judgment leads to repentance. And they say, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you for the forgiveness of sins. That's what you do. Repent. Well, and this is, this is what the the Holy Spirit has promised to do to the world. Yeah. Um, what's he going to convict the world of? Of yeah. sin, righteousness, and judgment. There it is. So, so rather than let's round up the best marketers and the best um, and the best sociologists <laughs> and uh, and and the and the best messaging gurus to tell us what the next generation or what suburban moms or what um six steps to reaching the suburban uh teenager you know (laughs) instead we can rely on the almighty spirit of yahweh yes to do the one thing he's good at which is convicting the world of sin righteousness and judgment yes and and 
And if you want to give him a boost, then maybe preach about things for which sin, righteousness, and judgment yeah. are content from yeah. which conviction could come. Yes. Oh man. I, I every once in a while some dude will come along and I've got the, I've, I've got like a locked and loaded response. Every time some dude will come along and be like, you know what? The church needs to preach less about judgment and more about grace. And I'm like, when, uh, and I, you know, that face when you are more gracious than Paul, because <laughs> Paul, the apostle of grace needed to spend three chapters talking about sin and judgment before he was ready to talk about grace in the book of Re- in the book of Romans, like three chapters he spends talking about making the case for the universal sinfulness and the, the judgment of all human race, Jews and Gentiles. And then only after that, he's like, all right, I think you're ready now. Um, this is, this is something that I've, I've become a little bit more fired up about is this concept of returning to the law as a mirror. Evangelicalism uh, has often will say rightly accurately that the law does not save. The law cannot save you. Only the gospel can. That is correct. I will not disagree with that. You will never hear me contradict that. That is accurate, biblical, true. However, we often hear that as saying, so there's no use for the law, but there, but the first of all, um, the church for, for generations has searched the scriptures and found, no, 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 there's still three uses for the law. The restraining use, we are not as bad as we could be because for one thing, the moral law is written on our hearts, on the hearts of every human being. Uh, the works of the law are written on their hearts. Uh, for another thing, if we raise our children and, raise our, and, and create a society that's based around the moral law of God, it prevents us from being as bad as we could be. And while good works does not save us, bad works certainly damn us. And the more sin we commit, the more we run headlong into sin, into sin it's like a, an avalanche. The more gravity gets a hold of us, the harder it is to stop us as we go further and further into sin, into hardening of our heart. So that's the restraining aspect of sin. Of the law, um, the third use of the law, the the uh, I, I like say you know either as a, a ruler or sometimes say it as glasses. Like it shows us what is the moral, what is right and wrong. We look to the law for that. And uh, if you're asking like who should who, how should we create a society? Look to the law. How should we, how should our family be right before God? Look to the law. Uh, this is what teaches us what is right and what is wrong. We look to the law. And the second use of the law. It's so important. And this more than anything, it is deeply distressing that the evangelical church has lost this usage of the law, which is the, the use of the law as a mirror or the convicting use of the law Mm. that, um, this, this morning again, I, I, I was preaching and I brought up, uh, a few, what I called what's what I could call some, uh, some, um, uh, diagnostic questions for them to ask themselves. And at the end I asked, all right, if you said a bunch of, if you gave a bunch of no's to all the diagnostic questions I gave you and you were uncomfortably okay with every no, like you Mm. didn't, you did not feel sorrow at answering no, then I'm going to tell you to run to the law. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, wait, wait a minute. I'm supposed to say run to the gospel, right? And I was like, if I tell you to run to the gospel, you are going to saunter to the gospel at this point. 
you don't feel your need yet. You need to look deeply into the mirror of God's law and see who you really are. See how far you've really fallen short. And then when you look unblinking into the law of God and you see exactly who you are, then you will not walk to the cross. You will run. Uh, I've, I've been very slowly, very slowly reading through Pilgrim's Progress. And I just love how it starts. It starts with the fact that he saw in God's word that his city is going to be destroyed. There's going to be destruction in his city. It is a city destined for destruction. And he himself is destined for destruction. And so he's, he's weeping because he's saying, can someone tell me how I can find my way, how I can flee the wrath to come? And evangelist comes along and points him to the, to the wicked gate, the, na- the narrow gate, which is Christ, and to go and to seek and to knock and to run to the cross to have his burden removed from him. Like, and, and that's what's so glorious about that book. I love it. He runs to the cross. Like Pilgrim doesn't walk to the cross of like, we'll see if I've got time. You know, this is interesting. I might ask a few more questions about it. He sees his dire need and he runs. And there's so few people. I think I'm sorry, but there's so few people in the evangelical church who are running to the gospel because we have not first run to the law. Mm -hmm. We have not heard the reproof and discipline of Christ. And so we are not zealous in our repentance. We saunter, we, we amble <laughs> toward, toward Golgotha. Because the only, <laughs> so one of the, and we've, and we've, especially in the, uh, the downgrade episodes, we've brought this up a few times uh, that uh, one of the misunderstood texts trying to justify a, a streamlined, um, uh, wind tunnel gospel um, yeah. is uh, um, is that um, is that Paul says that I determined to know nothing among you except for Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. We pointed out how well that's interesting because he was there for two years, so it seems yeah. like maybe he <laughs> maybe he was able to hold their interest. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so that there was a lot of content yeah. to knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Um, uh, but and throughout the rest of the two letters, he does not just merely rephrase from different angles that Christ was crucified. <laughs> right. But even, even to understand for that crucifixion of Christ to be sweet to you, for yes. it to be anything but a stumbling block, yes. but for it to, for, for you to, for you to understand that it is the grounds of your salvation, yeah. you have to understand what he is taking. Yeah. He, you have to understand that certificate yes. of debt that was hostile yes. to you that he nailed to the cross. Yeah. You, the cross will not be sweet enough. The salvation will not be dear enough unless you understand um, that you abide under the wrath of God. Yes. That, yeah. that, that without that sacrifice, you are doomed. Yes. Um, yeah. And rightfully so that you have been storing up for yourself. Yeah. Um, not, not treasures in heaven, but wrath for the day of judgment. Yeah. And that you're able to make 
that great exchange where you can trade such yeah. <laughs> light and momentary yes. <laughs> affliction yes. for an eternal weight of glory for for gold refined by fire yeah. white robes and yeah. salve for your eyes that trade is not close it's not <laughs> it, it's it's not a, like if if you were to offer that trade um in a fantasy football league it would be rejected by the commissioner okay um <laughs> it's like it is it's a fleecing yeah. um <laughs> but uh it's it's an it's an it's it's an absolute fleecing um but but because um because the one the one offering this has fountains that never run out <laughs> um uh then uh then he he can afford to be just this generous um but that's uh um is without that understanding of of how wicked and vile and detestable you were before a holy god the the such were some of you is such were some of you just doesn't ring yeah <laughs> in your ears the way it should that yeah. that yeah. um that you were you were a rebel against a perfect king who desired nothing but your good not in the way that earthly kings say they desire nothing but your good but he actually did he actually pursued your good better than you possibly could have we have that desire in your heart in our hearts that's why tyranny works is because we have a desire in our hearts for someone who will pursue our good even better than we can um and 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 uh, as Lewis says, when I find in myself desires that nothing on earth, nothing in this world can fulfill, it reminds me that I'm not made for this world. I butchered right. that quote, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but that but that's the sentiment. Um, yeah. And and so, like one of the reasons we have an uphill battle as libertarians is is because um, we have this desire in our hearts for a king that will rule us with a rod of iron, but for our good in a way that's better than we could have ever pursued. Um, and, and that cannot be fulfilled on this earth. And, and so, so that's one of the reasons we have an up, uphill battle as libertarians, mm -hmm. but as Christians, <laughs> um, we, we can point to that urge and, and say, if you draw from this fountain, you'll thirst again. But if you go to this one, you'll never thirst again. Living water, overflowing, you'll never thirst again. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Verse, <laughs> verse 20. We've been waiting for this one. We've been, <laughs> I dare say, dreading this one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got comparing. two two misunderstood verses so close together. This 
there was uh, an Arminian at my seminary who said, and I quote, my biggest problem with Calvinism is they cannot say Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, it will come to him, I mean to him, and eat with him and he with me. I, I bet he punched that anyone a little yeah, harder than you just right. did. But. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't, we can't offer salvation to anyone. Jeff, why can we, why can we say Romans three or revelation three twenty just fine? <laughs> well, first of all, he's set it up by saying that it is, that it is the members of this church who he loves rebukes and disciplines. Yes. That's the context of, and so, and that's why you have this behold, um, <laughs> it is, is it's, it's saying, be, um, because of this, how do you know this is true? Look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. Yes. And so there's no connection. There's no connection between verse 20 and the rest of the passage. If this just <laughs> suddenly applies to anybody. Yeah, he suddenly decides he's going to put a gospel presentation in the middle of his letter to a church. First of all, I'll say this. If Revelation 3 verse 20 is an offer to conversion, we can still say it. Sure. Like, this is this is based on a real misunderstanding about Calvinism. Like okay, so if I if I say, if Jesus saying this to unbelievers, I'm standing at the door of your heart. That's what we always think it means by that, by the way. I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. If anyone should hear me and open to me, open the door, I will enter and I will eat with you. I will feast with you and he with me. I'll feast with him and he with me. There's nothing contra contrary to Calvinism that that, that con contradicts. I do not have to preface a gospel call. When I call people from the pulpit or from in individual conversations that I say, uh, if you right now hear Christ's voice and repent and believe the gospel, you can be saved It is offered up. It is a, it is a call to you. If you were to turn and believe you may be saved. Uh, the question is who is going to hear? Calvinism doesn't say, and right. this is this is where we confuse hyper Calvinism with Calvinism. Hyper Calvinism says, "Don't you dare preach the gospel to anyone who is not elect." Um, this is where um, uh, I sometimes will bring this up, and I don't know if we talked about this before, but but it's it's actually a really useful um, study. And ideas have consequences. So a few years back, it's, it's like we haven't really heard from this church in a long time. Um, but the Westboro Baptists, they would go around. Mm. Um, they would protest the funerals of homosexuals and of um, soldiers, and um, they would hold signs saying "God hates," a derogatory term for homosexuals. A word that we're not going to use on YouTube because I because I like this channel and I don't want to lose it. Um, and and they would hold these signs up, and everyone would be like, "What do they possibly think that they're accomplishing?" Well, here's what you need to know: Westboro Baptist, they are hyper Calvinists. That is a doctrine of right. theirs. They believe that you only preach the gospel to the elect. And so if you're not sure if they're elect, you don't preach the gospel to them. And in fact, from their perspective of don't preach the gospel if you're talking to the elect, 
what is left to preach? Judgment. And the judgment might lead some to repentance. So it actually makes complete sense for them to stand out at these funerals, uh, protesting and holding up these signs, saying these offensive things, because someone in their warped ideas might see the sign uh, and realize they are under the judgment of God and then come to the church and ask for the gospel. The problem is this is not Calvinism. This, For one thing, uh, right. Calvin himself would be offended to his core to hear people utter his name uh, in, in, in conjunction with this nonsense. In fairness, he would be offended. He would be offended probably that his name is being applied to the, to the true article. Um, (laughs) But, but he'd really be offended about this one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And there's um, like, uh, this is where I think um, both Calvinists and non-Calvinists would benefit from reading the historical sources. Um, Mm -hmm. There are too many people out there claiming the name of reformed or Calvinism that have never read the Synod of Dort. They've never read the canons of Dort. Because if they did, they would see things like we are called to preach the gospel promiscuously. <laughs> we we just pass it around like we're just handing it out like candy. That is what we're called to do. Because for one thing, the general call of the gospel is a command that we are to bring to everyone we can. And it is a grace of God to hear the go- the general call of the gospel as much as the special calling the effectual calling of the gospel is a grace of God. And so we preach the gospel to everyone because we don't know. There is no neon sign standing over anyone's head saying, I am the elect one of the lost sheep. There's no lost sheep tattoo written on anyone's forehead. And so we preach the gospel to everyone with the law. Yes. And judgment of the law, but we preach the gospel to them because we don't know who Christ is calling to himself. And so if this verse is about conversion of the unbeliever, it's still perfectly fine for us to say it, but it's not like, it's not, this is once again, where we get into that same problem. We get into over and over again, and we have railed on it so often. This is taking a verse out of context, forgetting where it fits. He is not writing to the unbelievers of the world. He is writing to a church. And what is he? So he's standing at the door of knocking of what of their heart. No, he's standing at the door of their church, which has excluded Jesus because they become so self-dependent and they become so worthlessly lukewarm. (laughs) Like they, they have, they have, Right. This is a Christless church, and he's standing at the door and knocking and saying, right. exactly. "If you would just let me in." <laughs> yeah, the idea, the idea is that there, there, there are church of Jesus Christ, except for this one small matter. Yeah. That Jesus is on the outside of their church. Yeah, he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, he's like, "If you just would let me in, I would make you like like you could you can read between the lines there." He says, "I'm reproving you because I love you. I'm disciplining mm-hmm. you because I love you." And so I'm standing out here knocking. If you would just hear my voice, become zealous and repent, and you open the door, you know what kind of blessing I am wanting to bring to you? I'm going to, fe- like that word to, to eat is, is this idea of fellowship, of sustenance, of, of presence, and, 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 and 
union and relationship, like to, to use a, a unfortunately cliche word in evangelical society. Like this is what he's offering. And he says, if you would just hear my call and repent, this is what I have for you. And, and I think it is significant that we find this at the end of the letters, at the end of the letters where there is more bad than good going on in the church of Asia, there is much to reprove. We need to be reminded. Jesus saying, I'm not saying this because I hate you. If I hated you, if I hated you, I would exclude you. I would just spit you out of my mouth and I wouldn't even bother. I'm reproving you because I love you because you're my people and I'm here knocking. I'm here calling to you. If you repent and come to me, do you know the, the depths of fellowship we could go, we could walk in? And he goes into even more in that, in that, the, the one who, in his statement of the one conquering, like, you know what you can have? Oh, this is such, this is so big. The one conquering, I will give to him to sit with me on my throne. You have the opportunity to reign with me. That is amazing. Like this is, this is our legacy people like church Christians. This is our legacy. We are destined to reign with Christ over this world. Paul says, do you not know that you are going to judge angels? I didn't. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I had no idea I was going to judge angels. But we are going to sit on his throne with him. And, but, how, but what is the path to that? As I also conquered and sat upon my father and sat with my father on his throne. How did Christ conquer? How did Christ end up on the throne of God with the father? It is because he humbled himself to death. And rose. That's exactly the verse I was going to go to. <laughs> and he rose again. This is once again, we're, we're finishing. We're, it's like it finishes where we started. It is talking about resurrection power. Right. This is resurrection power that we can, we can walk in. And right. And it people. is power available to us. To, yes. to this church he's speaking to, and by extension, to yes. us. Yes. So so the biggest contrast between the uselessness in uh, 15 through 17, or 15 through 15 and 16, the biggest contrast with that, with, with you're basically useless, guys, is you can sit with me on my throne, which, by the way, is my father's throne. Which is yeah. to say, all power, yes. all you could be of every use. <laughs> you yeah. you go from being useless to the kingdom to ruling the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the and it there is that. I mean, there is that. We we talked about that word repentance. It's a turning around. Yes. Um, yes. It's it's that uh um, you have it, it, you have you have this opportunity to turn around yeah. from ultimate uselessness to ultimate usefulness. Yeah. Um, and everyone who does so will find Jesus to be a perfect savior that yeah. delivers everything he promises. All it takes is repentance, turning around, 
opening the door. This is ultimately, as you said, the problem with their churches is the unregenerate clergy and the unregenerate membership. That our churches are filled with goats. There are some churches, you know, I, I make a joke about the ELCA. I'm about to, I'm about to drop some, some bombs. I make a joke about the ELCA <laughs> that in order to say their name, you have to lie three times. They're not evangelical. They're not Lutheran. They're not church. They are, however, in America. But... But this is this is the truth about many churches. There are churches, both individual and, and denominational, around this country that are churches, Christless churches. This is really what we're seeing in this this is this threat and this worry that we can become Christless churches. We become Christless churches. How do we become Christless churches? We become Christless churches when we forget our first love, when we stop um, pursuing uh, witness. In this world, we forget what we, we become Christless churches when we denigrate the full counsel of God, including the law, which drives us to repentance. We become Christless churches when the cross becomes an ornament to hang on the wall and not a sign of where wrath and mercy met supremely. We are a, we become a Christless church when we forget that the resurrected Jesus the ascended Jesus is present with us in the Holy Spirit. We become a Christless church when we become useless, when we leave God's word, when we cease to be those who have ears to hear what the Spirit mm. is saying. This is when we become Christless churches, when we, become, we, we, when we chase our idols all the way and become them, and we become those dumb unhearing, unfeeling, hard-hearted people who cannot hear, who cannot please uh, pursue uh, the ple pleasing the Lord because we are so fleshly. We're so worldly. Our churches have, are all so worldly. The evangelical downgrade, as, we, as we've been talking about, and this is, we may as well call this a crossover at this point, um, <laughs> it's ultimately about this truth that we have stopped listening to the word to tell us how to live and we've started listening to the world we have become so dependent on our earthly riches on our earthly wisdom on our earthly business and vision statements on our earthly <laughs> uh, marketing strategies and outreach uh, strategies and we forget what are we called to do we are called to make disciples of all peoples of all gent of all nations through baptism and through teaching we are called to raise up the next generation to train them so that they may build up the church and speak the truth and love to one another and proclaim the gospel to this world we have become so un indistinguishable from the world that we offer them nothing by way of witness except for a baptism of their own preferences. Let us return to having ears to hear God's word, what the Spirit says to his churches. You have more to say? I, I, I can marvel at the segue. Um, it was, uh, you, uh, you, you wrapped in, 
wrapped in that last verse nicely. Um, <laughs> just want to applaud that real quick. Um, and uh, and yes, I mean it is less worldliness, more wordliness. Yes, that has to be the uh, the key to renewing our churches. Is I, I am I I I am constantly. I'm going back and listening and I'm constantly forgetting what I said in our, in our main course episodes and what I said in our uh, uh, evangelical downgrade bonus episodes, because, because, because the crossover has been uh, so like the applications that we have to make when we're trying to make applications to our day uh, about these, about these seven churches are, are basically all in the same vein. Um, and uh um but it does it does come down to um we need to have that ear to hear what the spirit says to the in churches and and the great thing is that we are not left without a witness yeah he wrote it down yeah. <laughs> um he wrote it down peter says um uh peter's talking about the mount of transfiguration where he saw uh, he saw the the ultimate glory of Jesus, and he says, but he transitions out of that by saying, "But we have this word more sure, more sure than the transfiguration of Jesus, than seeing him flanked by yeah. by Moses and Elijah in his full glory." And mm. and it's a good thing we have it more sure because mm. Peter himself, when he saw that, misunderstood it. Yes. But we get to have it more sure. Yeah. Oh, how often have we said, oh, I wish I could see God do miracles like he did in Egypt in Exodus. You know what happened to the people who saw the miracles in Egypt? They died in the wilderness. <laughs> they, they died in the wilderness. They, they, they did not. It's not like seeing miracles is going to make you suddenly uh, regenerate suddenly born again suddenly you're no longer gonna gonna whine about God's not providing just this exact moment that's gonna take the gospel that's gonna take spirit a uh, heart circumcision and and I think uh yeah it, 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 there's we need the word the word is what is the the sure thing, like you said, I, I love that verse as well. Like we have something better than miracles. We have the word of God. This is so much better than signs that we have the word of God written, fully inspired, fully authoritative, fully sufficient and, and plain and clear for us. And even the book of revelation, I hope that along the way that, that um, you guys who've been following along with us and keeping up with us, I'll say this. I, I know based on the people that I talk to that a lot of you who are listening to us are going to get to this episode later than the, when we drop it. A lot of you are kind of following up behind us and a, a little ways behind. Um, but I hope by this point you are seeing that this book is not this scary, hard to understand um, book. Um, it's worth it one last time to go to the other views of this book. <laughs> so what does the historicists say? This is one of the few situations where the historicists uh, are correct because they see uh, Laodicea as representing our current day. 
<laughs> uh, because, you know, we're on the verge of, of the end. But they're right. This is a situation where they're absolutely correct. Um, where they what they miss is that every one of these verses also yeah, can every yeah, one of these letters can apply yeah, to us in some yeah. way. Um, uh, what do the future is? What do the uh, preterists say? The preterists say, and I think by now you should see that we. I I don't see any other way to read this section, but a preterist way. He's talking to particular churches in a particular time, and those things that he says to them has something to say to us in the sense that every epistle. The epistle to the Romans was written to the Romans, but it is massively beneficial to us in, in, in modern day America. The book to the Colossians was written to the church in Colossae, but it is massively beneficial for us who live today. The book of Philippians was written to the Philippian church, but it is such a balm to the soul of churches today. And these letters to the churches were written to those churches named. There are they bring up things again and again that those people would have looked around them and seen what he's referring to. And yet they have great power to comfort us today and to convict us today and to remind us of what is important and essential today. And um, this is th- this book. We've said it. I'll say it again. It is first a letter. It is the letter of the apocalypse. We're going to get into starting next passage. Some wild stuff. Mm -hmm. It's if if you think it's been a little bit hard to follow this far, it's going to get a little wild. We're going to have to take our time. We're going to have to go back to doing like three verses a week at points because there's going to be some wild images and some wild passages that we're going to have to figure out and dig into and connect them to to scriptures across the the Bible, but ultimately this book first had something to say to the first century church of John's day. These every pass every chapter that's about to follow was first written to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea the images we're about to see the passages we're about to read were written to a people in time to show us how to live in this world and so even as sometimes it's going to feel a little bit hard like it's all veiled this is still an unveiling and we should Mm -hmm. expect the spirit to speak to us and to unveil for us the truth of what this world is. And I hope you're going to find great comfort, challenge and opportunities to proclaim and to proclaim the glory of God in worship and in evangelism to this world um, from these texts that we're going to look at. What what do you say? You got any closing thoughts (laughs) on the the letters to the uh, churches? When the, world that is bearing down on these churches is trying to remind them of the certainty of their death. Jesus holds out the certainty of resurrection. Mm-hmm. And if we draw nothing else from the entire book of Revelation, <laughs> then we, you know, so so many times 
you know, the, this 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 book gets placed in service of eschatology, by which people mean um, these these grand themes of mm-hmm. of end times, length of the tribulation, mm-hmm. rapture happening before or after the tribulation, uh, the um, the uh, the millennium and and what form that's going to take and when that's going to happen and and uh, and and what what that's going to look like and and that's all that's all good and we will talk about those things and um, yeah. and that is technically speaking eschatology mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but eschatology the last thing is you stand before the throne of God. The last thing is, is, is your resurrection. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so sometimes that's called eschatology proper. Um, and, and, and that is, we've, we've seen thus far. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think we're going to go into a radical shift here. That is the theme of, that is the theme of this book um, is impressing upon you in a world hostile to you that is threatening you with certain death, the certainty of the resurrection, and and if you and if you can keep that certainty of the resurrection in view, it makes so many other decisions so much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, you can't um, waste the chance to suffer for Jesus mm-hmm. because it's going to be so infinitely worth it. Yeah. Well, this is it. We're done with the first part. The We're first done part. with season three, or so season three, or maybe, uh, maybe we've got. You know, I guess, I guess all our in between stuff counts as season three, and season four starts. Yeah. Yeah. When we start um, chapter four. And we did kind of leave it on a cliffhanger, you know? <laughs> there you go. Wait for it. It's come more is coming, but it's going to be on the same <laughs> topic. Um, yeah. Look out for some new, we're going to do some uh, more episodes coming up. We got a, uh, a bonus episode tomorrow. Um, we're going to do a next, another, I think we got some, uh, we're going to do some reaction videos. We're going to do some bonus uh, content of uh, some more bonus content. We're gonna do some crossover, uh, some, some crossover episodes with some of our friends, with guests, uh, guest, guest, guests on our podcast. Um, it's been a while since we've done that, and it's kind of a, I've been missing it. Uh, been missing our reaction videos and our uh, our crossover guest podcasts, and so we're gonna do a few of those, and uh, we're gonna give us. I think we're really gonna give ourselves some time to study uh, chapters four and five because it is very important. Uh, it's not long. There, yeah but it's very important and we want to make sure we have a good handle on it before we start uh, carving it up and, and presenting it. Um, so I, I don't know how many episodes that's going to be, but um, uh, yeah, so, so that's going to, that's going to be coming soon. I hope you're excited. I mean, if you haven't been with us, if you're new with us and you haven't seen an IO ANCAP freak out uh, at uh, <laughs> a video, uh, a video reaction, Boy, are you in for a treat? Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but with that, I think um, we can say, if you are a bot of any kind, um, please send us an email at uh, less.miles at 
uh, Kansas.edu. That's right. Less.miles at Kansas.edu. <laughs> and if, uh, but if you have a question or a comment and you want to talk to us, I uh, want us to answer it then. Anarchist I Bible wasn't, buddy. I wasn't ready yeah. for that one. So I gave you a football coach and that, that might be his real email address. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please email him. Uh, <laughs> That could, uh, that that could be really funny. Um, uh, who knows? Um, and also, but also, you can comment on their videos. Uh, leave a comment there. Talk to us. Um, if you have, like, okay, so Jeff, but usually it's Jeff who finds videos for us to react to. But if you have a video that you're like, I want to see the way you guys react to this video, then shoot us one. Send it to us on. Uh, I find me on Twitter at at. IOA and cap or Jeff at J park YYC and send it to us and say, you're going to hate this one. And, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, di- we'll, we'll watch it. Well, um, we'll figure out, we'll figure out which one of us won't vet it before we, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh it's usually more fun if I'm reacting as it's yes. happening. Uh, I, have definitely I think the, so. The funner freakouts. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And also, if you have guests, if you're like, you know, it'd be cool for you guys to talk to this person. Uh, let us know. Stop suggesting Tom Woods. Uh, we're not going to get him. It's not happening. Like, are you watching this show? Have you been watching this show? We are not good enough for Tom Woods. It's not going to happen. First of all, we, we've insulted Papist several times. <laughs> There's no so way he would that. talk to us. There's no way. It's not possible. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh be sure yeah send us an email uh comment like subscribe follow share call your grandma tell them about the show uh and uh by the rat by the curse of the rat king by paul thompson um and if you're looking for a couple of go-getters to 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 sponsor and to to promote your product let us know and uh i feel like i'm missing something no, I don't think I am. Uh, <laughs> and ultimately, and most importantly, join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Go Hogs! <laughs>